And welcome back to the fifth episode of Loss of Down. Of course, I'm your host, Stephen Weed, and always joining me, my dude from Pittsburgh, Mr. Walter Lukashensky. Walter, how are we doing on this evening? Man, I'm feeling pretty good. I've got to be honest, as a Raiders fan, I'm a little down right now. It's been a rough couple weeks, Stephen, two and two, and then... Unfortunately, you got those Kansas City Chiefs showing up to Vegas this weekend. I'm a, I'm not a little. I'm a lot worried about Patrick Mahomes. But there's that picture going around of Stephon Gilmore uh, up close and personal dapping up Patrick Mahomes. So my fingers are, are crossed. Not wishing for anything bad, but maybe Patrick Mahomes misses a game. I don't know. That's not, I'm not rooting for it. I'm just saying if it happens... I won't be too bummed out. Yeah, the Titans, speaking of missing a game, the Titans may miss a game. Hell, they may even miss another game here, but we're going to get to that on top of all the gambling that we talked about last week as well as covering week four of the NFL. So we're going to kick it here from my hometown, not hometown, more of the home state of North Carolina, where the Arizona Cardinals, just like your Raiders, have lost two in a row after losing 31-21 to against those Carolina Panthers. Kyler Murray, looking like Kyle Murray, 24 of 31, 133 yards in the air. Three touchdowns, no interceptions. So first game of the year without an interception, but only six carries for 78 yards. I mean, that's still 13-yard average, but Kyler Murray and the Cardinals offense not looking the same these past two weeks. But Teddy Bridgewater and the Panthers are 2-0 since losing Christian McCaffrey here. So maybe this is turning into Teddy Bridgewater's team, 26 of 37, 276 with two touchdowns and an interception. QB rating of 98.5. So, Wally, I'll pass it to you here. Obviously, what are your thoughts on this game? Were we too high on the Cardinals, or are we not giving Carolina enough credit here so far after the first quarter of the season? I think it's honestly a perfect mix of the two. Go figure. I finally eat crow. I accept that the Cardinals are good a couple weeks ago. Just for them to turn around and shove it right up my hoop. Carolina. Much better than I expected so far. Teddy Bridgewater, he's just consistent. He's going to do just what he does. And Teddy Bridgewater, he protects the ball. Yeah, he turned the ball over. He threw a pick this week. But the guy, he's consistent. He's not going to wow you too much, but he's going to keep you in position to win games. On the flip side, Kyler Murray, yeah, the guy's electric. Yeah, the guy is a freak dual-threat quarterback. But with all that said, you need to be able to throw the ball for more than 133 yards in the NFL. And that's a game that they were trailing. It's a big red flag to me. I'm hoping it's just a blip on the radar because Arizona's a lot of fun to watch. But I just think that, honestly, I'm kind of just blah on both these teams. Neither one of them are an NFC title threat to me. Yeah, the Cardinals are all of a sudden in a division that looks at least somewhat manageable outside of Seattle. Carolina, I mean, they're struggling right, or they're in a division right now with Tampa Bay, who's struggling with Chicago. You have the Saints, who don't look like the Saints. Maybe one of these teams surprise everybody and they win their division, but I'm not counting on it, Steven, are you? No, neither of these teams making the division, but we were talking a little bit earlier on, and you were one of our friends was pretty high on the Panthers, and you know, I was kind of against it, but... I don't know. We'll see how this is going. Teddy Bridgewater's certainly shoving my foot in my mouth right now. I was kind of bashing him a little bit earlier on, so I'm excited to see how this is going to go. And we're going to go down here. Not down here. We're going to keep it in the state. Cincinnati, where Joey B, my man Joey Burrow, getting his first W. Fun fact, he got his he got, he got a tie before he got his first National Football League win. But he does it 33-25. to 25. 
against Jacksonville. Joe Burrow, 25 of 36 with 300 yards, touchdown, and an interception. But Joe Mixon going off with 25 carries, 151 yards, and two touchdowns, as well as adding six receptions for 30 yards and another touchdown. So three total touchdowns for Joe Mixon. The Jags are the Jags. We got really we got way too hyped on them on the first week, and now they're just you know kind of that team that we're expecting them to be. But Joey Burrow also setting a rookie record, three straight games of over three hundred yards. They got the Ravens this week. So Wally, obviously, how's Joe Burrow looking? We're both very high on him, but I always we we got to talk about potentially offensive rookie of the year here. Well, first of all, I gotta wipe my mouth from the drool I have every time I watch Joey Burrow play quarterback right now. This guy's got the composure of a 10-year vet. He is getting hit like David Carr in his rookie year. You gotta hope that it's gonna stay that way. I mean, Joey Burrow just seems to be cut from a different cloth. The guy's unreal. I think Cincinnati, I don't want to overreact to four games, but why wouldn't this team become a title uh, favorite at some point in Joey Burrow's career? The guy seems like he's gonna be knocking on that door of elite very early in his career. Now, This is also one of those games where you forget about how good Joe Mixon really is. He's been hidden on a team with a indefensible, uh, indefensible, indefensible, what's the word? Is that right? Indefendable? Indefendable. Basically, their offensive line sucks. That's, forget the word I was trying to say. Their offensive line is terrible. It's been terrible. This is one of those games that, Really kind of just shows you what could be, what the future might be for this team. Yeah, Joe Mixon was electric. Joe Burrow, outstanding as always. And not to mention that pick that he threw is the most deceiving pick you'll ever see. Should have been a touchdown. It was dropped by the tight end, and the defender just came away with it. Otherwise, you're looking at Joe Burrow with another two-touchdown, no-interception game. Over 300 yards. First player in a rookie year to ever do that three consecutive weeks. And we're in week four. T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd or electric wide receivers. Higgins had four catches. I know Tyler Boyd had seven catches. They're both becoming obvious numbered one and number two targets for Joe Burrow. Steven, I got to ask you, this offense makes you think that this team could be a title threat sooner rather than later. What is it going to take to make this defense and offensive line at least okay enough to get the Bengals over the hump? You know what I think... Is going to actually help with that. They need to get rid of A.J. Green yesterday. They need to get rid of him last year. Joe Burrow is excelling first year in the NFL, and he's doing great without A.J. Green. Do you want to know what A.J. Green's stats are for the year? He has 14 receptions for 119 yards and zero touchdowns, which means that he's on pace for 56 receptions and 476 yards. Obviously, both career lows. He even put up more numbers in 2018 when he only played a handful of games because of another injury. Surprise, surprise. So I think trading this man, if you can get a team desperate enough to give you a one, a first-rounder for him, definitely you know, take that to the bank and run with it. But at least get you know maybe a second tied with, I don't know, maybe a sixth or seventh, and you can start bolstering these guys later in the later in the rounds. But we'll see. They still got your boy Geno Wackinger high on. I, don't, I just don't see them starting right now yeah. to get comfortable, but... You know, only only time is going to tell with that. But for some reason, the Saints just cannot stay comfortable with I mean, my goodness. The Saints covered against the Lions, but it felt like the Lions had the grasp on the whole game. Have you heard this before, Brock? 
and then they just absolutely blow it. 35-29 in Detroit. Drew Brees continues his mediocre season of 19 of 25 passing for 246 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. Matt Stafford is Matt Stafford. He's going to put up those numbers of 206, three touchdowns and an interception with 17 of 31 completions, two attempts. But Alvin Kamara is clearly the MVP on this team. He has 22 touches for 119 yards and a touchdown. Remember when I said A.J. Green only has 119 yards <laughs> all season? Alvin Kamara can do it in just one game against the Lions. So now that Alvin Kamara's coming on, Wally, do you see the Saints maybe being a threat once Michael Thomas gets back? And is Matt Patricia finally going to get fired here the next couple weeks? Or how long is that going to finally take? Yeah, well, first of all, the Saints, yeah, they go they fall behind 14-0 very early in this game. But then fitting as it always seems to be with Detroit, New Orleans, Comes back 21 straight and really never looked back. I mean, the Lions, there's a lot to be worried about. It's more the same. I mean, if you're a Lions fan, you've been experiencing this for as long as you can remember. And all I can say is I'm sorry. And I said 21 straight. I meant 28 straight. They were up 28 to 14 after falling behind the first 5, 10 minutes of this game. The Saints are a legitimate threat to win the Super Bowl still. I know Drew Brees isn't what we expected him to be. He he's finally seems to be hitting that battle with father time that we all hate to see. That said, the defense is electric. The offense is dynamic when they use the running game like they have been. It's not something we're used to seeing from New Orleans. I think they're going to win the NFC South still. I've been high on them all year. They were my pick to come out of the NFC in general. I don't know if I'm still that high, but I'm certainly high enough that they're going to win this division, especially as you see teams right now like Tampa. They're only up two late in the fourth against Chicago. They're not really anything to write home about either. But then going back to your last question about Matt Patricia and the Detroit Lions, I think you're going to see a lot of in-season firings this year that maybe we don't typically see. I think that you have Gase, who's done in a matter of time. Patricia, done in a matter of time. You're going to have Dan Quinn, done in a matter of time. Obviously, we'll get into the Bill O'Brien firing here in a minute. I just, yeah, it's just not something that I'm very, very confident in. But we're just talking about Bill O'B. Let's go talk about the win, or the battle of the winless. Minnesota beats Houston, and guess what? Houston's had enough. GM and head coach Bill O'Brien is fired. Steven, I guess I have to ask for you, why this timing? It feels kind of weird. You allow this coach to trade away arguably the best wide receiver in the entire NFL. Then after this bear of a schedule of the first four games, they turn around and fire him now. What gives? Can you tell me what I'm missing? This is, is clearly the final straw that broke the camel's back. I don't know. What is up with it? It took him this long. I mean, I know the man does nothing but win division titles with a carousel of quarterbacks. And I get it. But when you're, if you go down the list of it, I mean, he released Andre Johnson, arguably still in his prime when he first got there, his first full season. He lets go of DeAndre Hopkins. He's having fights with J.J. Watt in the locker rooms weeks before on top of their defensive coordinator. So this is no surprise to me. Now, like I said, I feel like this is a camel that broke. The, the straw broke the straw's back. The camel, it's the camel that broke the straw's back. We're, no, don't even look at me, Wally. We're keeping that one in, and that one's going to catch on here. You watch out. So Bill O'Brien getting fired. I don't even think that he's going to be able to get a head coaching job. I think he'll strictly either get a coordinating job or you'll see him bounce back to the college level. But 
Bill O'Brien, I mean, come on, you kind of made your own bed. But nothing, you know, we talk about how sloppy Bill O'Brien has been. Nothing was sloppier than the Seahawks-Miami Dolphins game where the Seahawks pulled it out, still covered the spread, which is all that matters. We'll get to that here in a little bit. But the Seahawks just playing an absolutely disgusting game this week where Russell Wilson, still Russell Wilson, 24-34, 360 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Of course, Ryan Fitzpatrick doing his thing, putting up 315 yards with nothing but two interceptions. But, I mean, this Seattle team, obviously I was very high on them going in. I know that you were pretty high on them going in. So this this game kind of raises some question, which I think the question raised is pretty pretty deserving. Well, we're talking about how that defense is letting up so many yards, and Ryan Fitzpatrick is lighting them up. Granted, they had two interceptions, and Jamal Adams wasn't playing, but, I mean, what does this say about this Seahawks team? As well as, is this another game closer of Tua coming up, Walter? Yeah, well, first of all, for the Seahawks, I mean, this is the kind of game that good teams win. They played terrible all game. Like you said, it's completely sloppy not something that we're used to seeing that said it feels like a Seahawks team that they're winning games like this it just shows that they really are Super Bowl contenders and I'm very high on them as I think most of the country is now they're without a doubt my NFC West favorite especially with how banged up San Francisco is I, th- I think they're going to be a team that we look back at the end of the year they're going to be 13 and 3 and possibly fighting for that number one seed in the NFC as for the Dolphins, why not Tua now? If you're convinced he's healthy, why is he not going to come in? This is a team that was really well coached, overachieved last year with, what, five, six wins, whatever it was. There's no reason why this Tua, the Tua train shouldn't start taking off down in Miami this week. It's a shame. I saw that Miami, the state of Florida, made it so they were able to have a full crowd Miami's only going to have 12,000 fans, though. They decided against it. Go figure, Florida being Florida. But it would have been pretty cool at least to see Tua in front of his home crowd that I know is really fired up to get to see him and get to see what the future of Miami is. There was that leaked video showing him in practice this week. Dude looks outstanding, but it's, it's a practice video. Who knows what we have. But to answer your question, Steven, I hope it's time. I mean, NFL fans... Hope it's time. I love Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I'm kind of bored of this. It's every year. He always is somewhere where he's going to play for three or four years. We get Fitz magic for a minute, and then he's just kind of blah the rest of the time. It's time for Tua, man. It is time for Tua. But talking about other rookie quarterbacks here who are finally named a starter today. It was official. The L.A. Chargers have officially made Justin Herbert the starter going forward regardless of if Tyrod Taylor gets stabbed by his medical personnel or not, Justin Herbert will be playing. But this last week, they went to Tampa and gave them everything they could handle and more. Herbert was fantastic. Tampa Bay, though, proved too much. Brady had five touchdown passes, over 350 total yards. Made him, I mean, it's Brady. All of a sudden, he looks like a 35-year-old Tom Brady once again. Not so much tonight against the Bears. I'll let Steven talk more on that. I guess my question for you, Steven. Justin Herbert, how bright is this future for the Chargers with hopefully a eventual healthy defense? Because, man, that team feels cursed. 
I mean, absolutely. That team is definitely cursed. But, I mean, if it wasn't the fact that Joey B is a rookie right now, we'd all be talking about Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert has been playing well. He gets thrusted into his first starting first game that he starts, what, about five or ten minutes before. So, San Diego, your best every time. Los Angeles, your best bet is keep that team doctor as far away from Justin Herbert as possible. And I know one man who's going to be able to agree with me in there, the head coach, because he goes, yeah, because that is my job right there. Do not, do not touch this man. So Justin Herbert's looking good. 20 to 25 or 290, three touchdowns and a pick. That's not bad for a rookie starting in, what, his third full game? He's looking good. He's surprising a lot of people, especially an Oregon quarterback. You know, that always has a moniker, maybe a asterisk next to it when you're coming out of Oregon. So for him to be kind of breaking the mold on that, kudos to him. And I think that he's going to have a bright future there. As for the Bucks, I don't know what to think about them. I still try to fight for them. Maybe the game is 19-7 to now, about 2-4-3 left in the fourth quarter. Uh, the NFL is taking advantage of the anime font from Instagram way too often as we look at this graphic. But the Bucks have a huge question mark. That's something to be answered here in November and December. They're chugging through and winning games and grinding it out. So that can only mean one thing. But as far as I'm concerned right now, the Bucks are looking like the Packers from last year. Going to have a great record. Let that over kind of over shadow what that team really is and then completely lose it in the first or second round i'm not really too high on them but a a team that everyone is always high on baltimore ravens getting back on track here blowing out washington lamar jackson ripping off a 50-yard run in pristine mark jack or uh, lamar jackson form but he's got a knee injury this week so there's a lot of question marks going into that we're going to get into that here a little bit later but the Ravens get back on it. There's really nothing too much to look into. It's of a depleted Washington team. Your boy Dwayne Hassan's getting benched. They got Kyle Allen starting. So we're going to focus on Washington. Are they looking to move on from Dwayne Haskins? What's the deal here? Because officially now Dwayne's the number three quarterback with Kyle Allen and Alex Smith being the one and two. I think by moving him to three, it without a doubt sends a message that they are planning on moving on. And you still have... A quarterback that's going to get decent value in return, regardless of what people think of him. I am still a Dwayne Haskins guy. I really like him. I wish, I am hoping that he goes somewhere and he has a chance to either sit behind a veteran quarterback. I'll get into that here in a little bit, who I want him to go to. But a, go behind a veteran quarterback or go somewhere where he at least has a decent offensive line and maybe has a real couple weapons. Because, I mean, right now when you have, what what is it, Doug Ingram? or whatever, I can't even remember the guy's first name, but Ingram or whatever, the in-man, that's your number two receiver. There's problems in Washington, man. That is bad. I don't care who uh, the quarterback. about Dontrell Inman? Dontrell Inman, not Ingram. There's my point. Dontrell Inman is your number two in Washington right now, and that is a disaster, an utter disaster. I don't care who's going to be in that spot. You really want to put Alex Smith in there again? I don't want to see his leg explode all over the 35 again. I don't need that. Kyle Allen's going to suck. And guess what, Washington? You, you're going to get what you hope for. You're going to tank to one of these top two quarterbacks. See, I don't know. It would be interesting to see Alex Smith go out there, see his knee explode, because I'm pretty sure when, when his knee exploded last year, his kneecap traveled further than any pass he's ever thrown in the NFL. So I'm kind of interested to see how that's going to go. But I'm going to keep it here with me selfishly. 
the Rams kind of have us scratching our head here after being pretty dominant and possibly back to their old form of what they were a couple years ago going to the Super Bowl, but just win an absolute snooze fest against the Giants. Do you take anything away from this Rams game not being it? They win 17-9. It's nothing to take home about. It's a scrappy win, which is always a positive. What are some of your takeaways from this Rams-Giants game that maybe we're missing about the Rams or maybe it was just a bad game? Okay, I, I've obviously been critical of not only the Arizona Cardinals, but also the LA Rams. I was very low on both of them. I really thought this division would be run away with Seattle and San Francisco. I was ready to say I was wrong a couple weeks ago, but now I'm not so sure. The Rams look like one of those teams that people kind of figured out Jared Goff, and once you figure out Jared Goff, that offense isn't that scary anymore. Sean McVay, brilliant offensive mind as he is. I'm not that afraid of him when this Jared Goff is the quarterback. This Giants team is terrible. I'm not going to waste my time talking about them. You guys don't want to hear about it. What more can we say? They're they're bad. Without Saquon Barkley, they're horrible. I guess the real question is, and we're not going to ask it today. We're going to ask it in probably a month or so. Do the Giants think about moving on from Daniel Jones if they're at one or two in Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence is there for them? It's definitely going to be tempting for them. But you asked me about the Rams. If they make the playoffs, it's going to be a short stint. I'm not looking forward to it. I'm not really – to me, it was a boring game. And speaking of boring games, the Colts and the Bears. Woof. That game, holy hell. Good for you if you sat through and made it through that game. That is just – you're a football fan. That is all I can say. You are truly a fan of football if you were to sit by and watch those Bears. They took their first loss, Steven. I bet you're pretty happy about that, huh? Yeah, crack your beer. I bet you're pumped. Wow, it was nice. Yeah, it, it, it was a little uh, little tough. Nick Foles gets his first start as a Bear. Looks very underwhelming. The Colts, I mean, we kind of wrote them off a little bit. At least I did after week one. You lose to Jacksonville, people get nervous. It's starting to just look like one of those freak things. You know, any given Sunday, it's one of those where I'm not going to overhype it for Indianapolis. You won against, which might be the worst 3-1 team ever in this Bears. I'm not going to get too, too excited. But Jonathan Taylor, I know his stat line wasn't sexy, but you guys got a really good running back in this kid. And he's used to running behind these hog mollies. I mean, he just comes from Wisconsin. Having an offensive line like this, he feels... Talk about a guy that's had the luckiest stretch ever. You go from Wisconsin offensive line to running behind Quentin Nelson. Best player in the NFL. Don't care. Love him. My guy. Colts look like especially, and we will get to the Titans and what's happened this week. But with everything going on there, I think you can make a case Phillip Rivers goes into the AFC South and wins it. But, Steven, I'll turn it over. I'll give you a chance to talk about the Bears as we sit right now. There's a minute 54 left in this game. They trail by two, and it's about to be third and nine. And Nick Foles, big dick Nick, is trying to walk him down the field, set up a field goal to move the Bears to four and one. Steven, take it away, buddy. Yeah, this game was oh, this game was brutal, but Indianapolis Colts, watch out. You know, they haven't really faced anyone, but if people are gonna be riding on the Bears, they face the Bears and beat them. Colts got the number one defense right now. Top four in uh, rush, rush defense, number one passing defense. So this team is real. They got an O-line. They got a running game. They got a veteran quarterback that is 
He won't turn the ball over because now it's so funny. The first week that he throws, what, 46, 47 times? He hasn't eclipsed 30 since then. So it's fun to watch. This team is going to be really interesting. They're just going to be a gritty team. And for my boy, Adam Alfonso, uh, a boring, low-scoring game like this is nothing new to him as a Chicago Bears fan, especially the past two or three years with that defense being as good as they are. They're not expecting to put up a lot of points. They just want to be able to win by one and get that W. So I'm not looking too, too much into this. The Bears... They're interesting. Defensively, they they are back to being that top five powerhouse that they were um, just two years ago when they were uh, twelve and four, almost making their way uh, to the NFC Championship game, but taking a fat L because of the double doink. Which oh, that's the only way you can go to sleep. That you know, a lot of people listen to whale noises. They listen to the rainforest. I just listen to that broadcast over and over again, and I sleep like a baby. But you know, for once, my God, you know who are sleeping like babies? All the hammered Browns fans who are getting pumped for the dogs being three and one. First time since 2014. It's not the fact that the Browns almost put up 50 points, but they closed the game out. They closed the game out. They're looking good. OBJ coming alive, just going absolutely off for him. But the biggest thing is Baker Mayfield, 19 of 30, 165, two touchdowns, no interceptions, which is always a plus. So, Wally, no one's obviously going to take the Cowboys seriously. No one ever does that because, you know, they're going to be 8-8, eight and eight and, this, and this just shows that they're just another 8-8 eight and eight team. Is it about that time to take the Browns seriously? Well, first of all, for the Cowboys, 8-8, eight and eight, that probably wins that division. That NFC East is such a joke. Nope. Eagles got the tie. Eagles got the tie. Well, they better hope that it's a 7-8-1 and one team then because they, they are not going to win that division. I'm still high on the Cowboys. Not high on the Cowboys. I'm higher on the Cowboys than anybody else in that division. I tell you who's not very happy with the way things are been going. Jerry Jones. I'm not talking about the losses here. I'm talking about the fact that Dak Prescott is just flipping out the checkbook of Jerry Jones on the table and he's saying sign your name I'll write the numbers in he is making himself a very 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 rich man this weekend 502 yards passing the guy was phenomenal he's doing phenomenal things in spite of having this defense that oh my gosh I I don't know how this team's gonna find wins right now it took that choke artist of the Atlanta Falcons to blow that game otherwise who knows? This might be an 0-4 Cowboys team so far. But switching gears to the Browns. The Browns are starting to at least look kind of like the team we thought they were going to be last year before the season. We started hyping up the idea that, you know, the Browns, eh, you know, they're they're just going to do what they always do, and that's fall short, find ways to lose. This started feeling like one of those games. It started feeling in the fourth quarter. You're up 41 to 14. And Cowboys shrink the gap, make it a three-point game late in the fourth quarter. And like Steven said, congrats to the Browns. What do they do? They move down the field. They score. They extend the lead. They close out the game. I have so much admiration and respect for Stefanski. He has given this offense an identity, even without Nick Chubb 
who's going to be out for roughly six weeks. Kareem Hunt is a more than capable back. That offensive line is doing insane things. Wyatt Teller, look out. He's right up there as one of the best offensive linemen in the league right now. Gwen Nelson still has the, the lead at best left guard. Not a big deal. But Wyatt Teller, is, he has been phenomenal. He has been phenomenal. Uh, there's play people like me out there that were pumping up Billy Price's uh, tires before he was drafted, before Wyatt Teller. No one seems to talk about Wyatt Teller. I was wrong. There was a lot of people like me, especially in this part of the country, that were really high on Billy Price. We were all wrong. I'm willing to accept that. But you asked how the Browns, what we think they are. They're definitely a wild card team to me. I don't see how they don't make the playoffs, especially in that division. I know Joey Burrow is the man, but they probably beat the Bengals again. They, pro- I think they split with Pittsburgh. And then, I don't know, I think they're nine-ish win team. And nine wins is more than enough to get in the playoffs. And I think right now, they don't ask to be a Super Bowl contender. They just want to get that, be there. Honestly, get in again. Give this fan base hope. Are you are you kind of thinking along the same lines with the Browns, or you can keep it short? Just tell me, you think good or bad things here? I'm thinking great things. This Browns team is looking very good. I think what's becoming clear is that this team is just at quarterback position. This team reminds me of just like a poor man's 07 Giants. They got a filthy running game. That the pass rush is ridiculous. The defense is not doing bad at all the top five rushing defense and top 10 defense overall right now they are playing great ball and they just have a young quarterback making baker into a manager not a quarterback is the best thing that their coach kevin stefanski has done so far as long as you can keep that make baker's job easier your your offensive identity is having a two-headed running monster and oh nick chubb's not out or it's just cream hunt which people forget about was tearing up the league two years ago before he decided to tear up a woman's face with his fist people were saying that he was the best running back in the entire league when he got suspended by the chiefs or the league whatever but they thought he was the best in the league exactly so we might see a lot of things coming in this for the first time in a while not like a two-game stretch First time in a while, I'm actually going to be excited watching the Brownies play some ball. You know, I'm a Packers guy, but I got some heart in Cleveland. Families from Cleveland. Most NFL games I've been to in my life are in Cleveland. But now, <laughs> man, you were just fucking six to noon two weeks ago. Wouldn't shut the fuck up about this. But your boys. Second loss in a row. First loss at the Death Star. And the Bills are moving to 4-0. and Josh Allen. People are getting a lot of chirps about possible MVP. So he's like fourth or fifth on the knock, if I'm, a, if, if I'm not mistaken. But people are calling for an MVP after the first quarter of the season. 24-34, 288 with two touchdowns. It's not looking bad, but, you know, your boy Derek Carr put up some stats. I feel like they're playing behind a lot during this game but I'm not going to take up too much more time as the Chicago Bears just hit a 38-yard field goal to take the lead with a minute and 13 left. Tom Brady's about to rip your heart out, so I cannot wait to watch this. Tommy, terrific. So I'm done. Bills are 4-0. Raiders drop to 2-2 two two after losing two in a row. Is it time to take this Bills team serious? And what's going on with Johnny Gruden and the Raiders? First of all, credit to the Bills. The Bills completely outplayed the Raiders in this game. The score's not indicative of how much better of a team they are right now. The Bills' offense did whatever they wanted with the Raiders' defense. 
fun, not so fun fact for you guys. The Raiders haven't forced a punt since the opening possession last week against New England. The defense is painful. It's what we've been saying for a long time. Much of Raiders fans out there, Raiders Twitter, Raiders fandom all over the world are calling for Paul Gunther's head. I'm very close to joining them. There's too much talent on this defense. You shouldn't be able to sign these guys, these studs, and then as soon as they put on the silver and black, they forget how to play defense. That's coaching. It's brutal. I have to hope that he's gone. I know that a lot of people out there are talking about Wade Phillips potentially being a guy to come back and maybe be hired by the Raiders. I know that would involve them moving from a 4-3 to a 3-4. question is, do they have the personnel? It's one of those things I have to imagine Wade Phillips would be able to make work as one of the best defensive coordinators ever. But the Raiders' offense has been outstanding. Anybody who's shit on Derek Carr, you're a joke. I do not understand what people want from NFL quarterbacks anymore. Yeah, is Derek Carr not elite? Is he Russell Wilson? No. Is he prime Tom Brady? No. Is he Patrick Mahomes? No. But he's a guy that will put you in a position to win every single week. He protects the ball. He has not thrown a pick yet this year. Yeah, he had the fumble towards the end of the game. He has small hands. He shows the sometimes control the ball. I get it. That's tough. But people won't see if you didn't watch the game. He also had another 50-yard touchdown to Nelson Aguilar. That was called back on an illegal formation. It shouldn't have been an illegal formation. Not, It's whatever. But, you know, Foster Morrow was covered up. And that's a flag. If he goes downfield, he stayed in the block. So, yeah, whatever. The ref's going to do ref things. I don't care. The Raiders going into this, after being 2-0, we talked about it. This four-game stretch was brutal. They had these last two games where you go to New England, you host the Bills, now you you go to Kansas City, and then you come back to the Death Star and get the Buccaneers. Then go to Cleveland right after, all of a sudden, the four-game stretch is turning into a five-game stretch. There's a chance we're looking at a 2-5 and five Raiders team that's much better than their record says. I'm trying not to panic. That's it, Steve. I'm trying not to panic. I'm really trying to stay level-headed here, but anyone who knows me, I am a mess right now. My insides, it's the SpongeBob meme of the SpongeBob on fire and the brain throwing papers in the air, Steven. I need you to tell me it's okay and the Raiders are going to win one of these next two games against the Chiefs or the Bucs. I've never told a lie, so I'm not going to continue to, or I'm not going to, you know, try to start doing that now. So I'm we're just going to kick it to the next game. I'm not going to rip your heart out here in front of you. I just I just made sure and fed you with the Papadilla, so you seem in pretty high spirits right now. So I'm not going to touch that. The Eagles decided to pull their head out of their ass and decide that they were playing football for millions of dollars. Beat the 49ers in the Sunday night, Sunday night matchup this past week. Eagles moving to 1-2-1. One, one is, is what the Eagles are moving to, and they're division leaders now. Niners go 0-2 at home. What, 2-2 two two on the year? What does this game say more about? Maybe the Eagles get it back together. Because I know that we both were kind of referring to we were scared about gambling on them this week because we think that this could be the game they finally get it out. Obviously, we were right for once. So what does this game say more about? Maybe the Eagles are going to get it, get it together. Maybe there should be a little bit more worriness and doubt here in San Francisco. Uh, I think it's time to panic in San Francisco, not because you have a bad team, but because your team is is crippled right now. I 
I just don't see it happening. You guys are too banged up. You lose a guy like Nick Bosa for the year, the defense hasn't looked the same. I love Kyle Shanahan as much as the next guy. I think he could win with me at quarterback. I I just don't have it in me to think that they can do it, especially in that division. They'd have to go through a gauntlet in the NFC playoffs to even have a shot to do anything. So for me, the 49ers just aren't what we thought they'd be. The Eagles, we, we both called this game last week, and I'm very proud of that because it was a seven-point dog. We called them outright. Not a big deal. That's great. I just, I, 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 hate, I hate this team so much, and not only because they're from Philly. I just, I think that Dallas still has the edge. I, I, I want to trust a team with that offense in 2020 NFL. The Eagles' defense isn't anything special. Their offense isn't anything special. They suck. They suck. They're one and two and one. You know what? Screw it. I don't even care, Steven. Let them win the freaking division and let them host a team they have no business playing in the first round and get dog walked on their home field. I'm tired of it. I we're done talking about. It. I'm, I'm t- no. I'm done. We're done talking about the Eagles. The Chiefs win again versus the Camless Patriots. Are we going to really put too much stock in this game? I really can't do it. I mean, we we didn't. I don't feel like we learned anything about either one of these teams. I still think the Patriots are one of the few teams that have a shot to actually challenge Kansas City in a postseason game. It, it just all comes down to you have to have Cam Newton, right? I think this game just proved how scary Bill Belichick was. Didn't have Cam Newton. Didn't have Stephon Gilmore. Still has a couple of those defensive players that opted out for this season, and they still kept it a good game. The game was actually going to be way closer, but they called. What, they called the ball dead or Patrick Mahomes down when he clearly fumbled it? Or it could it could have counted as a fumble, could have counted as an interception. Mike Cozy, I'm sorry, man. I'm sure that you, you love drinking already. I'm sure you're drinking because of this game. Just keep on drinking, bud. Maybe smoke a little couple doobies here and there to kind of get you over to the next week. Everything will be okay. But if anything, this game taught us that maybe the Chiefs are having that Super Bowl hangover, and there's something to worry about. But you know what's funny? Right when we start questioning the Chiefs, they're going to start just bawling out. November, I guarantee you that they're going to they're gonna go on like a six-to-seven-game winning streak, and everyone's going to forget about this game. But I think this speaks more about how the Chiefs are looking right now, and they're not looking too hot. They're kind of subpar here the last couple games. I, I, it's one of those things for me, though. We, we talk about how the Chiefs might be having a hangover. They're... Their Super Bowl hangover, blah, 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 blah. What do they do? They they come out and they look like shit against two teams that are halfway decent and just turn it on whenever they freaking choose to and win the game. They have one game against a really good opponent so far this year in Baltimore. What did they do? They own them from opening kick to final play of the game. They When they choose to, when they're motivated to, the Chiefs cannot lose I still believe this team as long as Patrick Mahomes is healthy there's not a team in the country I'm picking against I don't care if they're playing on the moon I'm picking the Chiefs and I agree we learned if anything that Bill Belichick he's still a freaky good coach the guy's brilliant but I, I just I can't pick against the Chiefs. You're gonna hear you're gonna get used to hearing that as I'm gonna probably put a comma down on the Chiefs to cover against the Raiders this weekend. But Steven, I'm tired of moping around about my failures as a fan. My team sucks. 
make at least give us a little bit of optimism here about your Packers. Four and oh. NFC North leaders, even though the Bears just won. Four and one. The Bears. Are you worried? You look you looking in the rearview mirror at Big Dick Nick there? Or are you just say, hey, you know what? This Packers team, lock it up. Lambeau Field. You're gonna get some playoff experience in January again. One of the best offenses in the league. But the same thing you can kind of argue that we've talked about, you know, with a Indianapolis. Like who have they played? So Green Bay is looking great right now. They've played two two top thirteen defenses, but they've also played two of the bottom four defenses. So there's not too much I can look into, but Aaron Rodgers is on a tear right now. But the MVP easily of the Green Bay Packers is Aaron Jones. This kid is a monster. He has led the league in touchdowns as a running back since 2019. So since last year, no one has more touchdowns in this league than Aaron Jones. He has 20 rushing touchdowns and 25 all-purpose touchdowns. This kid is a monster. You cannot deny that. Aaron's just being a way better game manager version of Baker Mayfield. That's all he's doing. He's just doing it as Aaron Rodgers does, and everyone's just kind of putting that little bit of a credit on there. Oh, Aaron Rodgers is back. He's going to be the MVP. I think Aaron Rodgers is playing great. The offense is playing great. It, it's looking like it's flowing, even without Devontae Adams. last The last two weeks, as well as the number two receiver, Alan Lazard, out last week. So they're looking good. Robert Tanyan ripped my heart out. He had to have that game. He had to have that game when I was playing against him. Absolutely ripped my heart out. But Packers are looking great right now. I'm not going to look too much into them because I'm going to be – I'm a realist. Let's get down here to like week 10, week 11. Then we're going to start talking about how these teams are looking. That's when you're going to really start forming your identity as a whole team, not just an offensive identity or a defensive identity. You kind of put everything in together as a conglomerate there. I have Green Bay winning the division, obviously. I, the Bears are looking decent. Won, this, won tonight's game, which rips my heart out. I hate seeing the Bears win. And mostly, like, Adam Alfonso, I, I fucking hate seeing you happy. All the, You will talk shit to me randomly about Aaron Rodgers in the middle of April about nothing. He's not even being brought up, and here he is texting me about something. So, yeah, I'm going to talk a little shit, and I'm going to continue talking a little bit of shit. But those are our games from week four, Wally. So I thought we had a hell of a time here. And we're going to kind of speed through some major events here. How about this? I'll call the major event out. You give the thoughts. We'll give it. We'll do it a little bit of a switch here. So we already kind of alluded to it here a little bit earlier. Bill O'Brien out as the head coach and GM. So I'll, I'll toss it to you here, Wally. Who's the next head coach or GM to get fired? I'll stick with the head coaches here. The, the Jets have to fire Gay soon, right? It's got to feel like it's him. Uh, but as for you asking about the Bill O'Brien move, I mean, I, I think it's weird timing, but it was the right move. It should have happened before Hopkins got traded. I guess, Stephen, who's your next head coach on the hot seat to be fired? I'm going to have to stick with Matt Patricia. You go, I go Patricia, you go Gase. I honestly don't feel like that's a bad bet. I take that bet. Either, either one, anytime. Yeah, yeah, for real. So the Titans possibly having to forfeit their next game. So obviously, you know, they did not play against the Pittsburgh Steelers this past Sunday, and they possibly have to forfeit their game against the Buffalo Bills, if I'm not mistaken. Now, there's some things that are coming out about this, but Wally, you're the you're the man behind 
behind the story. Please tell me some insight on this. What's going to happen? And give us some info on it. Well, at this point, it's very, I mean, us in the public don't really know all that much. It just sounds like there were some clear and obvious rule violations. And I mean, very, I guess the league is pretty, pretty pissed. <laughs> Here's a tweet earlier from Jared Stidham. Uh, he, his tweet goes, Mike Florio on 102.5 The Game, in quotes, a higher up with another team guesses Robinson and Vrabel get suspended for the rest of the year. The Titans lose a first-round pick and get a $10 million fine. This is, I mean, if you think about what the Deflategate punishment got a few years back, that was, quote-unquote, cheating in a playoff game. That got Brady suspended for four games, and it got a heavy fine and a lost draft picks. This is bigger. You lose a head coach and GM for the remainder of your year on a team that had Super Bowl aspirations. You knock them $10 million. And then on top of that, you make them potentially forfeit this game. And they lose a first round pick. I I mean, this is one of the biggest, I mean, COVID related stories in sports since it's, sports have come back. I don't really know what to make of it. Uh, I I think that the Titans still make the playoffs. I think they they still win the NFC or the AFC South in all reality. I know I was talking about the Colts earlier. I was talking about how they could be favorites. I still am gonna pick the Titans even with this likely forfeit. It's a lot. It's a lot, Stephen. I guess what what are were your takeaways when you heard about it? I mean, there's always three sides to the story. His side, his side, and the truth. So we're gonna figure this out sooner rather than later. I'm gonna wait for the full story to. You know, to kind of come out, but once you're coming into this season, knowing how anal everyone's going to be, especially your bosses as a head coach, the league essentially, you know how how persistent they are going to be in making sure that we are following all these rules. Yet they're still being broken, and you guys are breaking them. So what are you going to do? And COVID itself is making its way around the league between your boy Mo Mo Hurst, Stefan Gilmore with the Pats, Cam Newton with the Pats. And even a couple more Titans on here. So COVID is unfortunately making its way through the league. This is what we were scared of. So we have to start preparing now. And I, as long as the season goes on, that's all that's going to matter. All that matters right now in Baltimore is that Lamar Jackson has been out with a knee injury here. This is only his third practice in the three-year span that he's been an NFL pro that he has missed. One coming last year, obviously the one coming in his rookie year. So he's averaging about you know one missed practice, but people are freaking out. John Harborough is expecting him to be a full go. No worries at all. So I'm glad that's going to happen. But we already alluded to the Chiefs being a little bit lackluster. Do you think that this is going to carry on a little bit? Two of their last four games here, the games against the Chiefs, games against the Patriots, huge question marks on this. Are we are we looking too deep into how they're performing, or should we not really worry about it? I'm not really, honestly, all that concerned. I think the biggest issue, if you're a Ravens fan going into this, it's not if Lamar plays. It sounds like that's very clear he's going to. He's going to be available. It's does he lose any bit of that athleticism? Does he lose any bit of that shakeability? He's a guy that depends on his legs, not only as a runner, but as a passer. It's going to be very interesting to find out how hampered he is, what they do. Do they put a a brace on it? Do they extra rapid? Either way, does he lose that mobility? Does he lose that extra zip on the ball? 
I'm not panicked about it in the near future. It's just, I mean, you hear in all sports, like these things like hamstrings, these things like high ankle sprains, they they linger throughout a year. It takes a, an honest offseason with no contact to get healthy. So maybe, just maybe, this knee is going to hamper him. Maybe not much, but if he's 90% the rest of the year, there's a difference between 90% Lamar and 100% Kamar, Kamar, Lamar, and you need 100% Lamar to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. That's the only way you get by them. Speaking of the Chiefs, you asked going about their two of their last four games, what I think of it, what I make of it. I truly just think that they're bored. I think this is a team that knows what their standard is. And they don't give a shit about these play or regular season games. They have the AFC West on lock. It's over. There's no one that's going to do it. I mean, it would take the Raiders at the very least splitting, and they're not even they're not going to split. They're not going to lose a game to the Chiefs this year by less than ten points. I'm. It's frustrating. The Chiefs are very good. I I still think they're a, a virtual lock to come out of the AFC, and I'd still put a lot of money on them winning the winning the Super Bowl yet again. But we need your boy Aaron Rodgers. You talked about how great he's looking. You talk about how people around the world, people around the country, your buddies among them, get on Rodgers for not being what we have always made of him. But Rodgers had a really interesting quote this last week, and it made me, because he, he's a cocky guy. He doesn't hide it. He's a, And that's honestly something I want from my starting quarterback. But his exact quote was, my off years are other guys' career years. He's not wrong. But, Stephen, what were your thoughts when you heard that? It, does this feel like an angry, I'm on a mission Aaron Rodgers? Because certainly to me it does. I just feel like this is just such a classic California dude line. Like, come on, dude. My off years are some, you know, others' career years. But it's so true. And it just kind of shines a lot on how high we hold this standard. I feel like it's arguably the equivalent of how LeBron doesn't win the MVP every year because that's what we expect you to play like. We expect Aaron Rodgers to play to a certain type, a Drew Brees, a Tom Brady, a Peyton Manning. So when they start having that slight decline or decline at all, everyone's so quick to jump on them. Yet, you know, Aaron Rodgers still put up 4,000 yards last year. Yeah, he only had, what, like 24 touchdowns, four interceptions, but, you know, he's not putting up anything north of 30, so everyone's getting on his ass. I couldn't agree more. It was a hilarious line. It's nice to see that he – I feel like he's kind of been holding back on lines quite like this. But, I mean, he's being absolute savage. He's usually being really savage about not visiting or talking to his family. So it was nice to see him be savage to everyone else outside of it. But finally, finally, the reason we're all here – I know, you, I know you guys like us, and we make you listen to the podcast, and thank you for listening to it. I really do appreciate it. But for some reason, you guys just don't trust our picks, and yet we're not doing too shabby on them. So we're just going to dive right into it here. First game, at least, that I'm showing, I got Carolina visiting Atlanta. Carolina is a point-and-a-half underdog, plus 105 is the money line, over-under at 53-and-a-half. I'm not touching the spread on this. Personally, I'm going to pick the over 53.5. Teddy Bridgewater in that offense with and without Christian McCaffrey proves that they can still put up points. Atlanta Falcons outside of last week proved that they can still put up points. How they did not do that against Green Bay's defense is beyond me. But shout-out Jari Alexander, completely shutting down Calvin Ridley. Should have brought that up the last segment. But I'm going to go with the over 53.5 on this, Wally. What are you kind of thinking on this game? To me, this feels like a 
I'm going to play for Dan Quinn game. The Falcons have had him the last few years. For better or worse, this locker room loves Dan Quinn. And I think that this is a game that if Atlanta does lose, it might finally be the straw to break the camel's back. So, I think Atlanta not only wins, I think they cover the minus one and a half, Steven. Uh, I, I think you might finally get to see that offense have their giant game and their defense at least halfway show up. Without CMC, I know that the, the Panthers have managed, but I just I can't see them getting it done in Atlanta. I'm going Atlanta minus one and a half in the win. And for the next one, we got your Vegas Raiders going to Kansas City. Plus 11 and a half underdogs for Vegas. So obviously Kansas City minus 11 and a half. Kansas City's money line minus 650 with the Raiders being plus 450. You know what, Wally? With how lackluster the Raiders, excuse me, with how lackluster the Chiefs have been playing, I want to take the Raiders. It's a divisional game. You know, you could be, you could say that some people are kind of weary about the divisional game, yet the Chargers with the rookie quarterback kept it to a three-point game. So I'm going to actually pick the Raiders plus 11.5 on this game, Wally. So I know you're going to be pumped with me. What are your thoughts on this game, bud? I'm just going to make you guys some money, and I'm going to tell you the truth. The Raiders are going to lose this game, and they're not going to be close. And I, I'm willing to accept that. Here, Here's what I'm going to tell you right now. In Since 2013, the Raiders have not won in Kansas City. The scores of those games. Notice the trend, Steven. 24 to 7, 31 to 13, 23 to 17, 21 13, 26 15, 35 3, 40 to 9. The Raiders get boat raced in Kansas City. I don't want to believe it. I want to be like you. I want to believe this is such a must win, right? Coming right before the bye week, coming off two straight losses that the Raiders are going to play out of their minds. I just can't do it, man. I mean, KC's been Derek Carr's kryptonite since he's come into the league. He's personally never won there. And like I just said, I mean, the last three matchups, not one of them was closer than 11 points. And not to mention the other two, 32 and 31-point deficit. I'm going to make you guys money. Put it on the Chiefs to win. Put it on the Chiefs to cover. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. But we're here to make money. I'm trying to put the bias aside. The Chiefs are going to do it. I I want. I wish I was wrong, man. I just, over the last 14 matchups, the Raiders are 2-12. and 12. Live averages, baby. I believe that the Raiders are going to pull it out and lose by only a touchdown. They're due. Exactly. Exactly. Los Angeles Rams staying on the East Coast, staying in the NFC East, and playing the Washington football team. Only given seven points as the favorite. LA Rams minus seven. Their money line is minus 360. What are your thoughts on this game? I'm going to have to go with the Rams minus seven. I feel like I, I feel like the Rams do not have two consistently sloppy games. But, man, that's a D-line matchup if I've ever seen it. Wally, are you going to stick with the Rams here and uh, maybe see if you can make some money lost on the spread from last weekend? Or are you going to maybe stick with your Washington football team? The Washington football team is dead to me right now. After what they did to Dwayne Haskins today, completely dead. I think Kyle Allen comes in and just 
looks more of the same like Dwayne Haskins. You cannot win with no weapons. You cannot win with no offensive line. So, yeah, the Rams cover. I have them at 7.5. That's a big half point. I still think that the Rams are going to cover the 7.5 and and win outright. But let's switch gears now. We're going to go over to the Jacksonville and Houston game. I have my line at Houston minus 6.5. I not only have the Texans winning, I have the Texans covering. Jacksonville's starting to truly show their, their, their real colors right now. And you know how teams play right after a coach is firing especially if the locker room was searching for a change. I think this is one of those instances. I think the Houston finds a way to get, not only finds a way to win, I think they're going to win by six and a half, and they're going to get themselves back into the playoff hunt here in the next few weeks. They have a much easier schedule. I think they're going to be sitting right around three and five come week eight. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's always that first game after getting that, what seems to be that toxic person out of your locker room, uh, in this case being the head coach last the GM, yeah, I have Houston at uh, minus five and a half on my book, and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be taking that all day. I feel like just Deshaun Watson's just gonna blow up on this game. I feel like JJ Watt's gonna have like a two or three sack game. It just it just has that feeling. Once you fire a head coach that you know feels like has just been bogging you down for your career, that they're finally just gonna feel kind of like they have the substitute teacher, but they actually have to pay attention to, and you know with the head coach that they have now, and they're all just going to ball. So I'm going to go with Houston five minus five and a half, and even I would even do it minus six and a half on Wally's book as well. And the next game that we have here, Arizona Cardinals minus seven against the New York Jets in New York. This one over under 47. Seems like an interesting game. I feel like the over is, is a lock on this, but my bet, you know what? No, I'm going to stick with the over. I feel like the minus seven in this particular game. There's something about teams that are like the two and two Cardinals and the 0 and four jets where it just gets ugly. The jets look like a real football team for about three quarters. And then the Cardinals end up winning and it's just going to be one of those really ugly games, but hitting over the 47. So I'm going to go with the over 47 on this. Stay away from the spread. Wally, what are your thoughts? See, I'm taking Arizona. I'm taking a minus seven. This is just a jets team. That is bad. It is bad. And kind of the exact opposite camp of what we... I, the reason I picked Atlanta. I believe Atlanta loves Dan Quinn. I don't think that they give a shit about the record right now. They, that's a coach the players want to play for. Adam Gase doesn't give that. He's already lost guys in that locker room. It's been obvious. You've had trickles coming out of the media all year. Jamal Adams basically forced his way out. Le'Veon Bell has no motivation to play. He will be back eventually after IR and... Honestly, I think the next time Le'Veon Bell's on the field, I think it's without Adam Gates as his head coach. I think Arizona wins. I think Kyler Murray has an enormous day. So, I have Arizona minus seven in winning. We're going to move on to the Battle of Pennsylvania. Philadelphia is going to Heinz Field to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are a seven-point favorite. The Steelers are going to win this game. But I don't think they cover. I think this is going to be one of those games that it's come down to the last possession. I think you're going to get a lot of this with the Steelers this year. They have an outstanding defense. Offense is still, I mean, it's clicking. It's It's been all right. Big Ben's looking like he's a little bit more Big Ben-like in the last few weeks. So I do think they win. But I think Philadelphia is finally turning the corner a little bit. And they're going to make this at least a, a fun matchup. This has got that like 24-20 written all over it. Steven, who do you got? 
Yeah, I'm going to go with just the Steelers' money line on this. The money line is minus 325. That seven-point spread is always scary in the NFL if it's, you know, outside of a team that the Cardinals – like, the minus seven Cardinals and Jets line looks way different than the minus seven Eagles and Steelers line because – what is the number one argument we always consistently make with the Steelers? They love playing to the level of their competition. I don't see this being any different. Even though they have, what, the number two rated, number three rated total defense, the Steelers are somehow going to f- to figure out a way to only win this game by not covering the spread. So I'm going to go with the money line, minus 325. You have to put a little bit more cheddar on it. But at the end of the day, the Steelers are going to make you stress, but they are going to win that game. And we're going to flip it here out west. Miami Dolphins visiting the San Francisco 49ers, where the Dolphins are nine-point underdogs. So San Francisco minus nine. San Francisco money line is minus 400. Over under set at 51 and a half. I'm going to have to go with I'm – just, I'm just going to go with Miami plus nine. I don't know what it is. I didn't take them serious last weekend. They kind of showed something against Seattle, but I feel like that maybe they could pull out covering the spread against San Francisco with a lot of question marks. Has to look into the injury report because they're very vague on what they want to give. But fuck it. I'm going with the Dolphins plus nine on this one, Wally. No, I completely agree. I have my book. Is it, it has Miami plus eight and a half, but, uh, which obviously if you can get that, that's better. But, I mean, I don't think it's going to make a difference either way. Half the reason why I'm really excited about this is because San Francisco is not what we thought they were. I'm not very high on them at all. Their only two wins are against the two New York teams. Everyone is beating the New York teams. But I also think this is a very good chance we see Tua in this game. And that's why betting Miami until Tua is back or actually playing, it's going to be very interesting. I don't know. I, I Again, I'm the degenerates that are going to bet every week, so I'm going to take them hoping Tua's there. If Fitzmagic is playing, though, I could definitely see San Francisco covering. That's a lot of points for a team that's so banged up. So I agree. Miami, plus eight and a half. Let's move it on over now to the New York Giants going to Jerry's World. Dallas is nine and a half point favorites in my book. What did, What's yours? Fuck, I have an eight and a half. Wow, yeah, so a point difference there. I have them at nine and a half. I don't think it matters. I think you're finally going to look and pretend like the Dallas Cowboys figure some stuff out on defense. It's not that. It's because Daniel Jones and that Giants offense is garbage. But I think this is a game that Dallas is going to win something like 38 to like 21. So I have Dallas big. I think they finally start figuring a little things out on defense or at least tricking themselves into believing that. Steven, I know you said you have eight and a half instead of nine and a half, but do you have them covering, or are you kind of kind of look away and go with the G men? Well, anytime the G men are on the TV, I'm definitely looking away. But for this particular bet, I'm going to go with the over fifty four and a half. I'm going to agree with that that score, but I can see Dallas dropping forty and the Giants getting like two or three garbage scores if that's either. 17 resulting in 17 points or resulting in 21 points. But the 54 and a half, I think, is easy. I think Dallas can easily put up 40 on here and have, like I said, the Giants scoring some garbage time touchdowns. So I have I have that over 54 and a half being a pretty, pretty solid lock on there. And we're going to go here. Not quite the hometown Browns, but 
we're close enough where we're not going to rep up Cincinnati to be the hometown team, even though they're closer. Cleveland Browns are one-point underdogs. Having the Indianapolis Colts visit them, over-under set at 47 flat. Now, this one's going to be tricky. So I'm going to have to go with the Colts minus one on this. Colts have their number one defense in the league right now. They have a top four rushing defense as well as the best passing defense. So Baker's already having struggles as it is. Tottis, I don't care. You can text me backing up Baker. The man is struggling. Doesn't matter. End of story. That's a great passing defense. We'll see if Baker wants to put it to the test. But that's a that's a great defense that you guys are going to be playing. I'm going to go with the Colts minus one here. It just seems like such a Browns game. Like they lose the one that they should win, get them back to reality, then they start going on a roll. So I'm going to go with the Colts minus one on this. Wally, what are your thoughts, bud? This is the shortest game of the weekend. I can tell you that much right now. Both teams are going to come out and try to establish a run early and often in this game. I really, really, really want to pick the Browns. (laughs) I want to believe it's happening. And it very well might be, regardless of the outcome of this game. But I have to go with the Colts. Until I see the Browns actually prove to me time in and time out, I just can't get it done. That defense is struggling a little bit too much for my liking. I do think that Kareem Hunt's going to make it so that nobody notices that Nick Chubb is gone. But I think the Colts eke one out. They win. They cover. And that's okay, Browns fans. Don't panic. Everything's going to be okay. It's one week. But let's take it out west. To the 12th man, where no fans are there. But still, the 12th man. Minnesota is visiting the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks are minus 7. The Seahawks are going to win. The Seahawks are going to cover. I'm not high at all on this Vikings team. They made me look like a joke, a jabroni from day one. I will not give them the time of day. Faded. Here it is. I am fading Minnesota. Steven, join me in taking the Seahawks minus seven. You already know I'm going to take the Seahawks minus seven on this. One of those one of those bottom four teams that Green Bay destroyed the passing game, one of those teams was Minnesota. So, yeah, absolutely. But you know who the bottom team is for pass defense right now? Seattle Seahawks. So I'm going to take Seattle minus seven. I'm also going to take the over on the game, which I have at over 57, because I feel like maybe Kirk Cousins, this is that time of the year where the Vikings offense really gets it going, but they do not have that defense to stop the other team. This is the epitome of that game. I can just being an, I can see it being an absolute shootout, very equivalent to what the Cowboys put up. But I can see it being like a 36-32 type game. So I'm going to I'm gonna go with that. Kirk Cousins starting to feel himself here a little bit. As well as, you know, Russell Wilson still cooking up. On pace for Peyton Manning's quarterback touchdowns record. So we're going to see about that. But the Los Angeles Chargers going down to Nolens to face the New Orleans Saints. So the New Orleans Saints are eight-point favorites. Minus 385 in the money line. Over and under set at 50 and a half. This one's going to be really tricky for me. I'm going to pick the Chargers plus eight because they have been nothing since Justin Herbert came in. They've just been fun to watch. They're keeping games close. They're keeping games close that they should not be close in. All the Chiefs, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 
And hell, Justin Herbert is a ball player. So you know what? I'm going to take the Chargers plus eight. That defense is fun to watch. I'll see if Alvin Kamara continues to the stretch that he's going on. I can see the – not saying the the Saints are not going to win, but I can see the Chargers covering on this one, Wally. I think that's actually a really good pick. I, I have on mine it's plus eight and a half instead of eight, which I obviously enjoy more. Yeah. But, ones, yeah, yeah for, for sure. I, I think a lot of that has to do with I got that line before Herbert was officially named starting quarterback. I think that, just like you, I think that he's balling out right now. That Chargers offense is it's at least competitive against anybody in the league right now. I can definitely see the Saints winning this game, but I think it's going to be a lot harder than anybody expects. I could even see the Chargers coming out and stealing this one. I won't bet it. I think the Saints win, but I think it's a three-point game. I think it's a lot tougher than people think. But we'll see how that goes. As for next week, you guys know I do my Thursday night picks every week. I lost last week because, you know, the Bucks suck in the Bears. I never saw that coming. Hand up. Never in a million years. I don't even have a line right now for Kansas City at Buffalo, but that's going to be one of the games of the year. It's a shame it's on Thursday. It's a shame it's on Thursday. No, I think, that, I think that actually makes it better that it's on Thursday. It actually gives us a reason to watch it. Outside of the game that we just watched, these games typically aren't that close. Yeah, and I, that's a fair point. Um, I just, it's a game I almost, it just feels like a Sunday night or Monday night game. These Thursday night games, it feel just kind of like, like you blink, you're like, did it actually happen? Like, it did... Did the Bucks actually get like credited with the loss? It feels like a scrimmage tonight. Do we really just watch the Broncos and the Jets brawl it out and it was a very high-scoring game? Like, what the fuck are we watching? Yeah, like Thursday Night Football, it's like I'm on drugs. I don't know what's going on. But I'm taking Kansas City minus whatever for the same reason I said earlier. When they are faced with a challenge of a formidable opponent, they ball out. They are ready. They show up and they win the games. I think you're going to see a very similar game this next Thursday as we saw a few Mondays ago where the Chiefs dog-walked Baltimore. I I really don't care what the line is. I'm taking the Chiefs, Steven. I, I don't know if if you even want to touch this game or if you just want to jump into underdog favorites over and unders of the week. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking Kansas City, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take Kansas City on that. It's going to be like a close... It's going to be a close spread, but it's going to be so much fun because that game is actually going to be entertaining, like you said, but... Underdogs of the week. Well, I'll, I'll let I'll let you lean in with this one. Well, here, Steven, Before we jump forward, I'm I just was looking at the uh, the sheet. At least my book. I, I I we have not talked about the Bengals, who are twelve and a half on my book. Point underdogs against Baltimore this week. I am gonna have Baltimore win because I'm not insane. But I think that Joey Burrow is. The truth, as you've heard me shouting from the mountain talks since day one this year. So I have them covering the 12 and a half. I think that offense is going to make it so it's almost impossible to bet them to lose in these double-digit spreads. You you learn at a very early age gambling. You don't bet against elite quarterbacks. And I think Joey Burrow is going to be in that group very soon. So I know that we just backtracked a little bit here so we will get to the underdogs here and that's what led me to it because Cincinnati is my underdog of the week at 12 and a half but Steven are you touching that Baltimore game at all I don't know if you have an over under you might want to do or if you just want to stick to that 12 and a half if you want to see which one's covering or not 
Yeah, so I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna touch Cincinnati plus twelve. I feel like Baltimore. This could potentially be the game that they are gonna explode on offensively, running, passing game. Mark Andrews finally gets it back here a little bit. People are a little bit stressed, fantasy owner wise, about him in the last two games. But I feel like this could be the game. My underdog of the week is going to be your Raiders at plus eleven and a half against Kansas City. I'll stick with that. That's who I believe is gonna who's gonna go with it. Now, my favorite of the week is going to have the Los Angeles Rams against Washington football team. Minus seven, I feel like that's going to be way too easy. They're coming off a lackluster performance against the Giants in that division. Staying out east, I feel like they're going to get it together here. Now they're you know now they're on the time zone, so now they're going to keep kicking. So, Wally, what is your favorite of the week as well as the over for the week? Well, first of all, my favorite. I already said earlier, Dallas minus nine and a half seems juicy to me. I don't trust the Giants' offense, and Dallas is going to put up points. They're doing it against everybody. It's going to keep happening. So I think Dallas at home, Jerry's World minus, minus nine and a half. It seems like a lock to me. So I'm going Dallas minus nine and a half. But my over of the week, let's stay in Jerry's World. It's over 54 and a half. The way that Dallas is playing, it feels like they can get there themselves. Obviously, that's not true, but like I alluded earlier, it feels like a 38-21 kind of game to me, which would be very easily over that 54. It seems, I know I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth here once I get to the unders. 54, yeah, it's a lot of points. It doesn't feel like a lot of points with with Dallas on the field right now. So, Steven, who are you? Are you going to agree that Dallas is your over, or are you going somewhere else? Oh, my over for the week, I'm Carolina Atlanta, over 53 and a half. Both those teams are able to score offensively at a very high pace. Atlanta's always in the top five. Offensive rankings always, maybe because they get a bunch of garbage time. Scores, yards, yada, yada, yada. But I'm going to go with Carolina, 53.5. At Atlanta, that over, I feel like, is the lock. But my under for the week, I see that's the one that's kind of causing me some problems here. That's going to cause me a lot of problems. So what I'm going to go with, a little sketchy. Colton Brown's under 47. This is going to be a defensive game from the running standpoint. Both these teams love to run. Obviously, the Browns are killing it right now on the running game, regardless if it's Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt or just Kareem Hunt or or just Nick Chubb. It's just going to be Kareem Hunt now. The Colts have a top-four rushing defense. For the other side of it, the Colts love running the ball. The Browns have the fifth-best rushing defense. Now, if you want to go to the air... The Colts have the best passing defense, so they're playing Baker. And then the Browns' passing defense is eh, not that good. So they're, this is going to be game relying on the quarterbacks, and I think it's just going to be one of those sloppy games after the game we just watched. Cleveland take over because of their running. So I see this game going under. Wally, what are your thoughts for the unders this week? And take us home, baby. My under, I know that you were kind of on the opposite train as me. And again, I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. I just said 54 points, not that much for Dallas. I'm going Minnesota at Seattle, under 57 and a half. It's just so hard in the NFL to pick a, a an over when it's 57 and a half. That's so many points. I'm not picking against the over on this because of Seattle. I'm picking because I think Minnesota... They're going to sort in the game. They love getting Madison and getting Dalvin Cook the ball. I think Seattle's able to at least nullify their offense enough to keep under there. I think Seattle wins very handily under the 57.5 total points. Another week is down in the books of the NFL. We're going into week five strong. 
Bears just won. Raiders are going to get boat raced by the Chiefs. What do you got to say, my friend? Uh, nothing positive. Bears Bears are now 4-1. and one. Green Bay's on a bye week. There's no teams for me to really watch. But we do appreciate you guys watching with your ears <laughs> and listening to our podcast. So this is going to wrap up episode five of Loss of Down. Of course, he is Wally Lukashensky. I'm Stephen Weed. Follow us on all of our platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We got them all in there. We're growing a little bit, so just stay with us. You guys will be known as, known as day one homers. And eventually this is going to pay off once we start working. I don't know. I'm assuming NBC, something like that. So thank you guys for listening. Check out next week where we're going We're going to actually be having a new time here. I know we teased it a little bit last week, but we're going to start releasing you guys here on a Tuesday morning, Wednesday mornings here. and Get us right there to start your week or get you over hump day. So always watch us. Loss of Down, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Follow Walter Lukashensky as well. Wally Lukashensky as well as Stephen Weed. Thank you for joining us, and we will catch you here next time. Put a comma on the Chiefs.